Well, there's an old adage that you don't train for a marathon the night before you do it. Well, unfortunately, at Trix Performance, Sean and Damo uh, want you to do as they say rather than they do as they completed a 21-kilometre half marathon with little to no training. And in today's podcast episode, firstly, we're going to talk about the important cause that was the reason behind their half marathon effort and then going through their experiences on, on how to improve their performance going forward. So... First off, it's a, a massive welcome to you, Sean. Welcome to the uh, tr- back to the Trix Performance Podcast. Hey, g'day, Rob. Thanks for having me. Thanks, mate. Thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on. I know it's been a pretty stressful last forty eight hours for you. How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, a bit sore. A bit sore. Um, thing things are hurting that haven't hurt before. So it's been, uh, yeah, as you said, a, a very interesting forty eight to uh, seventy two hours. But um, yeah. Glad to have uh, got it done. Uh, beautiful, and we'll talk about the specific information behind your run shortly. And of, of course, we've got the head honcho, the man who's wearing a Miami Heat basketball top, which is absolutely outstanding on the back of his award-winning YouTube performance in NBA Boomers videos. And it's welcome to you, Damo. Hey, going, Rob? Uh, yeah, the Heat hit me up after our video went viral and sent me some free kits. So. Um... Anyone out there, if you want me to be an ambassador, uh, I'll, I'll happily wear your clothes in the, the podcast. Brilliant, mate. And you also completed the 21 kilometres on the weekend. How, are you, how have you pulled up? Uh, Sunday, very poorly. Yesterday, mm. slightly better. And, and today, I, I did manage to get out for a walk this morning just to pick the <laughs> legs over. A few, few of the local grannies in queue overtook me pretty easily but um i'm i'm back to walking around quite normally which is good well mate well, i'm glad that you've made it i'm glad you've both made it to, to the podcast today so i appreciate both the efforts i know it's been herculean sorry herculean to get to this point so well done but i will provide a little bit more context now and so what's happened and the scope of this video of, and podcast if you're listening today is that Sean and Damo both completed a 21-kilometre-and-a-half marathon on the weekend uh, around Albert Park, and it, it, it was for a really good cause, and we'll touch on that in due course, but we really wanted to use this video as an example of what can go wrong if you try and attempt uh, half marathons or marathons without any training, and then some basic and guiding principles that you should undertake before you do any sort of uh, long-distance event, continuous running or anything in terms of aerobic capacity. So that's the scope of this video today. But I think it's important that we, you know, we talk about why Damon and Sean ran the 21 kilometres and, and it wasn't just on a whim. It was for an important cause. And, and Sean, you're probably closest to it than compared to Damon and I. So do you want to maybe talk about why you boys ran uh, such long distance on the weekend and, and the rationale behind it? Yes. So, um uh, Chris Ross, who was uh, our high-performance manager down at uh, Frankston, um, he was unfortunately and very sadly diagnosed with MND uh, earlier in the year. Um, so I guess, what was it, probably two weeks ago, um, Josh Newman, uh, our captain, and Josh Webster, um, who's one of our staff members, uh, football analyst down at the club. They organised uh, a run for Rossi. So um, just encouraging people to get out and, and run 
um, run or ride really as, as far as, as far as they see, saw fit um, and tried to raise some money um, for Rossi to um, help him out a bit and so we can try and live his best life um, after being diagnosed. So, um, yeah, it was really, really, really cool and really awesome to see the way that everyone um, – Everyone got around it. The whole club got around it. And um, eventually, you know, you see everyone else get involved. Like the two of you got involved with me and, you know, never met Rossi, but, um, you know, jumped on board with, without a blink of an eye. And um, we were able to raise, um, or collectively, I think it was over $110,000 uh, in the space of two weeks, which was outstanding. So, um, so, yeah, it was really good, really good. Really good day, really good weekend, just seeing everyone um, get out and about and, and go on a run. Mate, it's a, first of all, it's a credit to you because you won't say it, but you raised a fair bit of money individually yourself. I think it was about 1500 bucks. So, you know, well on to you two for, for putting your hand up and, and first putting you through a bit of emotional, emotional, a lot of physical pain to do so. So, well done to you. And then also bring Damo into this. It's also well done to Damo because he... Initially, Damo and I decided to run 10-kilometre legs each with you uh, just to, to help you along, and, and Damo started the, the race with you and then, and then finished it entirely as well. So, mate, well done to you, Damo, as well, for, for going the whole way with him. Yeah, look, uh, it was a good idea at the time, uh, the pain <laughs> afterwards. But, yeah, like you said, it's for a great cause, and I guess um, this, the sports science strength and conditioning community is quite small. I've not met Rossi before, but sort of uh, Josh Webster, one of the co-organisers, is one of my good friends um, from uni outside of you guys as well. So sort of knowing people close to the situation, um, it was an easy decision to get involved and chip in a bit of cash, but also do the hard yards um, out there. Obviously, it's for a fantastic cause and um, a little bit of pain uh, can easily be worn away after a couple of days. So it was worth it. No, it absolutely was. So what we want to talk about now, I guess, and, and thanks for thanks for sharing it. And if you do want to still donate, I believe you can still donate, Sean, is that right? Yep. Yeah, there's an Instagram page, uh, Run for Rossi, yep. and you'll find, um, yeah, all the, the relevant links to, to yep. donate. There's also links on our um, Triax Instagram page as well. Yep. Yeah, and we'll leave the, the details in the description and, sh- and show notes as well so people can can definitely get that, uh, check that out and we encourage people to do so. So, But now we want to, I guess, maybe talk us through, boys, the, I guess the feelings running the, the 21K. Maybe give us a, a bit of a recap of, of how you're feeling in different segments and then we might kick off the discussion from there. So how you felt at the start when it was all laughing and smiling and I'll oh, have a look at me, I'm just going to run around Albert Park to maybe when you hit the wall a little bit. So... <laughs> Let's just start from there and we'll, we'll work the discussion from there. Yeah, I guess well, I guess for context, uh, Al, the, the track we ran around Albert Park was 5Ks or just over 5Ks. Yeah. Um, so the first lap, yeah, we, I think we were doing pretty good, weren't we, Damo? Um, we're having a little chat every now and then as we're running around, um, as you do. And then, yeah, towards the back end of the, the second lap, probably sort of that 8K, 9K mark, I was – Starting to feel, starting to feel it. Which, um, I guess, for context, I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever run more than ten k's in my life, and certainly not, um, not recently. So, um, yeah, we had a, we had a little pit stop at, 
at about 10 Ks because that's when, Rob, you were jumping on board. Um, and then, yeah, from there, I think looking back at my times, I hit the wall at about 14, the 14K mark. That's where I really started to slow down and um, my hips were very sore. Um, and, yeah, and then from there, I, I did have to, have to stop a few times um, periodically um, after that because it was, it was getting pretty tough. But, um, yeah, thankfully was able to, uh, to, to run the whole thing, not continuously though, which was disappointing and that'll be a goal of mine going forward to do it all in one go. But, um, yeah, it was just really good to, to get it done and, yeah, I knew going in it was going to be pretty tough but probably underestimated just how tough. And then, Damo, so maybe talk us through how you went on the similar run because, mate, you looked very – you looked really good finishing the race and you finished it pretty strongly. So how did you feel in comparison to Sean, do you think? Um, yeah, so Shawnee said uh, – how Shawnee said the first 10K sort of wasn't too bad. It was all laughs and giggles to start off with, a fair bit of chat along the way, um, trying to drop a few jokes. I could see that Shawnee around that 8K mark was starting to, to feel it a little bit, so I was trying – trying to um, brighten the mood a little bit. But um, similar to Sean, I haven't done more than 10K uh, ever. I've done 10K a couple of times, um, but never really gone further than that. And when I'd done it in the past, it was sort of around that 8K mark that started to hurt a fair bit and you got to get over that hurdle. But um, got through the first 10K all right, and then we had that little pit stop and the changeover and that that hurt a little bit, um, just getting the rhythm back afterwards. Um, but I sort of did jump out in front of you two a little bit just because that was the pace that felt comfortable. Um, and then around the 14K mark, similar to what Sean said, I reckon the hips really started to feel it. And knowing that we had a full lap to go after that sort of was a bit of a mental um hurdle to get over um, it was quite difficult um, and then yeah I think we, we stopped a couple more times for Shawnee and I think it was about the 18k mark I, I probably I should have yelled it out to you but I was in my head I just had to finish finish the run I couldn't stop anymore um, and I think just that little bit slower pace was actually hurting me more just the changed running gait was hurting my hip a lot um, so I sort of strode it out end up like you said Rob We'd run most of the 20-odd K at about sort of 5.20 to 5.30, and I ran it yeah. the, last, the last couple of Ks at five or below um, in a kilometres. Yeah. But that was just what felt comfortable at the time. Just I think that little bit faster running gait was a bit more comfortable and didn't have as much strain on my hips. So, yeah, pushed through. I felt all right at the end, um, but certainly not having any training. It was definitely the legs, not the lungs, that were, were cooked by the mm. end of it. All right, so Damo and Sean both said something interesting about you know, hitting the wall and, and Damo said about stopping as well. And once you stop, it's very hard to then start again, isn't it? So that's the problem. It's not necessarily trudging along. It's if you stop, you know, have a drink break, whatever, and then go again. So that was a massive mental barrier, wasn't it? I actually spoke to uh, Webby who did the marathon um, and he had to stop at 35 and he actually got a massage from one of the, the blokes riding the bike behind him for about five minutes. And after that, he said that five-minute break, just all the lactic, 
acid and the fatigue started to build up in his quads and his legs just got a whole lot heavier and he had still another sort of seven Ks to go. Um, and he said that was torture. He said if he did it again, he he would have just pushed through. So I think it just is because when you stop, the blood flows, you know, reduces a little bit and there's a bit more fatigue that just stays in your legs and they just get heavier and heavier each time you stop. Well, and so, Sean, it could be because then you noted just then before, you know, during the race, Sean, that you stopped a couple of times. You stopped. Did you think that made it easier for you to finish or do you think that starting again was harder each time? I don't know because I don't think I could have finished if I didn't stop a couple of okay. times. Yeah. Because my, like, it was just like the the repetitive motion in my hips was just yeah. hurting and when I was able to stop for a minute, it sort of went away for a bit and then obviously came back once I started running, but it was I was able to sort of keep going. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, yeah, from that sort of 14K uh, mark onwards, that was probably the, the, hardest, the hardest portion of it. Um, yeah, I think that having... I think as Damo sort of alluded to, the the mental battle that you're going through in your own head is mm. um, just as big as sort of what you're feeling in your in your legs and and that sort of thing. But um, I guess I, well, I had you behind me, Rob, yelling in my ear every mm. every fifty meters, which which helped. Um, but yeah, I think I think I had, looking back, I don't know the answer if I had to kept going, but I think that stopping for me helped. Yeah, yeah, it's and and that's an int- like that's an interesting point, I guess. That you know, what can converse that with what Damo said about uh, Webby, who you know stopped after you know running the thirty-five k and was basically hindered his his performance going forward. But what point in the race did both of you think it was going to become a mental barrier to you to finish? So people roll up and think twenty-one k's. Oh, it looks okay on paper. Twenty-one, twenty seems like it's a nice number. And people would think that, you know, just roll out of bed and do it. What point did you guys realise that this was harder than what you expected? Uh, well, I guess the week before I'd done, I, I guess I, I don't do continuous running very often. Yeah. Or long distance running very often. So I did 8Ks the week before, like se- seven days before, and that yeah. felt pretty good. I actually felt like I could yep. keep going. But then, so, sorry to interrupt. What? So, how much time were you running then for that AKs, and what was your pace? Oh, varied between sort of five to five minutes twenty per kilometer. Yeah, and that's what we're and that's what we were around. Yep. Uh, when we demo, it was around that sort of yeah. mark. So, yeah. Um, and then as I was approaching that eight k mark in the half marathon, it felt a lot harder than that 8Ks that I'd done previously. Um, and that's when I knew that probably wasn't going to be as easy mm. as, as day as I thought. Not that I thought it was going to be easy, but just like it was going to be a bit more bit more of a uh, struggle. Um, and even looking back at the heart rate data on my watch, which isn't always super accurate, as you know, but I looked at the 8K run from the week before and the half marathon and even just the, the percentages of well, the, sorry, the time spent in each zone and for the half marathon, pretty much the whole thing was spent in that high, highest zone, whereas the 8K run beforehand was sort of that zone, a mix of that zone three, zone four, and not much of the 
the higher zone. So, um, yeah, I guess looking back, it makes sense. And Dana, what was what was that point for you? Did you reach that point of that mental realization that oh shit, I haven't done enough training for this, or I don't know how I'm going to get through this? Like, at what point did those thoughts, if they came, what, at what point did they come? Oh, at the start one, I knew that I was in for a tough yeah. day. Um, yeah, but no, I actually I was very surprised. As I said, like I've done, I've been trying to run regularly each week, but it's not like the volume of that sort of level, but I try mm-hmm. to run like my, like there's a four K circuit. I sort of run around my place that I try to do in sort of four minute, four minute, 10 kilometers. So dropping back, I think like I'm um, conditioning wise in terms of like heart rate and stuff like that. I, I didn't really leave zone two or three. So I was definitely not cooked in terms of the lungs or the, like physiologically, but it was the physical barrier. And I, I, Having done it before, and my I knew that my hip would get sore at some point. Um, it was at that fourteen k mark. Then I was like, "Oh crap! This is like it's another third to go." Um, mm. Feeling like that, and it progressively got worse. Um, and I think it was at that eighteen k mark when I sort of just left you two behind. Was like yeah. that. That was when the mental barrier kicked over. I was, that was when I had to make the decision. I think if I keep going at this pace and along like this, there's a good chance that I won't actually finish it because the pain was getting pretty bad. Um, so yeah. then I sort of just made that decision, all right, I'll, I'll go for it. I'll try to run a bit quicker. If I run out of steam, I run out of steam and I'll just crawl over the line. Um, but hopefully I can get there um, feeling a little bit bit better. And it did. It sort of opened up the hip a little bit more and didn't didn't hurt as much and it was made it more comfortable. But I think, yeah, that 18 um k mark was when it really kicked in for me that it was a mental battle more than a physical one yeah beautiful so just briefly so what was your finishing time so damo how long did it take you to finish uh hour 55 hour 55 and sean hour 59 right okay so (laughs) so you both basically run two two hours worth of running off little training in one hit so it's obviously a massive spike in your overall, overall volume so obviously you had repercussions of that during the event, but what about after it? So what did you do after you ran, I guess, to recover and to, I guess, hopefully try and mitigate any pain that you did have? So maybe talk about what happened post-race and and, and some of your strategies there. Yeah, so I got home and I jumped uh, straight, in a bar- straight in the bath um wasn't a nice bath, bath or no nah, it wasn't a nice bath i just needed to to chill out i think and i th- just thought that a, a bath would help um yeah and yeah other than that i was pretty much just just resting um had some food uh not straight away maybe a couple of hours after we would have finished yeah um and that was just a burger. So, um, yeah, getting those getting those salts back in and that sort of thing. Um, and other than that, I I guess in the immediate aftermath, yeah, I didn't really didn't really do much. I had the I had a makeshift ice pack on my uh, on my left hip, but um, yeah, that was about it. On oh, the, the the Gatorade. The Gatorade afterwards, I grabbed it, grabbed another one afterwards. So, yep, that was about it for me. 
Or are you done? Uh, yeah, I, much to Rob's uh, distaste, I went with, with the missus. We went to the South Melbourne market and I actually got a thick shake um, probably about half an hour afterwards. But I, I don't know about you, Sean, but I, my appetite wasn't really there. Like I knew that I needed to have something, but I wasn't like hungry. So I went the, the fluids over a solid feed. Um, so the old vanilla thick shake, which was good. A uh, bit of protein in there as well from the milk. And then after that, I sort of I had a muesli bar probably another hour after that and another Powerade. Um, and then sort of I actually did a bit of work um, for a bit there. I had a few assignments I had to mark, which was probably not the greatest um, thing to have to do. And then laid on the couch for a bit and then um, went around to to Haley's and I sort of said, oh, I need some, somewhere to lay down. So she set up the air mattress and I literally just laid there with that ice pack on my hip, <laughs> taking it on and off every, every 20 minutes. And um, we had a few hot chips and then ordered a pizza later on. So it wasn't a great diet, but I think it was just what I, what I needed um, and probably had five bottles of water afterwards as well. So I was chugging that down. Um, don't have access to a bath. I would have had a, probably a radox bath or something like that but mm. I, don't, I don't have one so um had a couple of like a hot shower and a cold shower and and the icing and then popped a couple of panadols before bed actually uh my mum I, I messaged my mum she's actually run one half marathon every month for the last 12 months and so she had a oh few boy. tips mm. she had a few tips for me on on how to go about it so she said yeah take a couple of panadol before you go to bed so that when you roll over and stuff on your hips, you don't feel too bad. So, yeah, woke up in the morning pretty stiff, but um, not having to do anything really. I sat on my ass all day Monday. Um, and then I think this is part of your second part of the question. I, I did a bit of a stretching and a foam rolling session last night and felt fantastic after that. And since then, I've been pretty good. Brilliant. So that's leading to sort of the, the crux of this conversation then, I guess, uh, is that you boys have experienced the experience, the pain during and after. And I guess you boys have realised how severe the demands are both when you're running and then on your body after. So I guess the, the direction we want to go is, well, how can we do this better next time? And how can we actually prepare you adequately for something like this again? And judging from you blokes, I think you've got a few tips that you'd probably like to give people. So I think we should table or start the discussion here before we wrap up as to how you can actually do this better next time. Yeah, certainly don't do it off uh, no preparation. That's probably uh, tip tip number one. Um, I guess you need the training volume behind you um, mm-hmm. because 21 kilometres is, for most people, um, going to be around that two-hour mark, um, potentially a bit quicker, potentially a bit slower. Um, and unless you've exercised or run for two hours in one go, the body is probably not prepared for that. Um, so I think you need to, as we've spoken about before, you can't just go from zero to 100. You need to slowly build up. And I think that, that's probably going to take, in my opinion, and in an ideal world, you'd probably take longer, but I think you need a minimum mm. of like eight weeks yep. to build up. I think you could do it in eight weeks, but 
certainly not in the week and a half that that myself and Damo had. But I think, yeah, if you can if you can slowly build up just the just the amount of Ks you run per week and then within your session as well, um, that'll just have your body a bit better prepared for for what's to come. Yeah, I, I think having a little bit of an existing base doing some sort of like at least one or two, four or five K runs a week certainly helped because um, my weekly volume sort of around half the, the amount that you got to do. But, yes, I think you would need to do at least like build your volume up, as Sean said. I think if you've got an existing base, you could probably do it in like a month to six weeks. You just need to build up to – I reckon you need to run at least – 15 k's as your like your longest warm-up run or like preparation run just so that your body's accustomed with running that distance um i think yeah tripling my weekly running load in one session um (laughs) certainly wasn't wasn't helpful so yeah if you can build up slowly progress that and get the volume there i think you'd be fine if you're starting from scratch as he said shawnee said you probably need about that eight weeks if you've got something in the tank um, a bit more of a shorter time frame could be used just to build up to that longer longer distance. Yeah, another another sort of strategy I used because I knew that um, I didn't want to have to run too much in the lead up. I had my last running session seven days before the half marathon was just jumping on the bike for an, for an hour at a time because I knew that that running time was going to be around two hours, but I didn't want to cook myself either but i think even just getting you know the heart and the the lungs used to um having to work for for such a prolonged duration that can help as well and then you obviously don't have the running loads through the joints if you're just on a bike or something like that Mm. but um that's something that can you can use to to supplement um your running as well it's not going to make up for it obviously because it's you're not um, having those loads go through your body, but um, it's it's just another tool you can use as well. Yeah, I think one people probably don't think about as well is like your running gear or equipment. Make sure that you've mm. got good shoes, yep. um, yeah. right shorts. Um, like you can end up with some bad chafe. Not that it happened to me, but I know that a lot of people that run those longer distance, if you haven't got the right pair of jocks on or shorts, it can can be pretty painful. Um, and it's the same with shoes. I, I know you had a pretty bad blister, didn't you, Shawnee? Yeah, I did. It was uh, about the size of a 10-cent coin, I reckon. So, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> just, on the, uh, just on the side of the foot, just underneath my big toe. So, um, But it's all right. It, it doesn't hurt or anything. It was just, um, yeah, just big. All right, so to finish off, boys, I want to talk about briefly – I guess how to plan one of these programs and what you should look at going forward because like last year we did a couple of uh, podcast episodes about you know aerobic training and building a base and, and all that sort of stuff for team sport athletes probably, so you know, AFL, soccer, rugby codes, everything along those lines. But what about for a continuous runner? So you blokes obviously had a bit of a baptism of fire with running one of those events. So how, I guess, should you go about planning a program and what are the main components you need going forward to, to run basically anything from half marathon upwards? Because I think you blokes have proven that you'd probably get away with doing 10K. Um, obviously, you don't recommend that. But what about for you know, anybody above 21 kilometres? I think that, well, the obvious one's volume. 
um, which everyone's going to probably program into their their training for that. So you've got to do some form of um, long, continuous running. Um, if you so wanna, volume is so you're talking about volume is the amount of k's done per week. That's what volume means. Yeah, so. yeah. So and and you like I said, if you want to do the half, you'd want to be doing sort of like 10k runs regularly and then pushing up into that sort of 15 kilometer territory um, in your preparation. Um, I think the one that people would probably not think of though, so everyone, if you're just Joe Blow following, you know, couch to 5k or 10k or whatever, the app would be that you would be doing those long continuous runs and progressively building up. But if you want to do better at one of those events, you'd also need to do some interval-based stuff so that you can sort of train your body to, to run at those higher intensities um, and adapt to that. And then when you go a bit slower, you're obviously performing a bit more optimally. Um, so, yeah, I, I would be looking at sort of probably have one to two longish runs per week and then depending on how many times you're training per week and then one session per week where you're looking at some shorter, faster stuff um whether it be starting off with some fartlek running or some short intervals um that that sort of stuff that's how i would break down training for it so that i'm i'm getting my volume in but then i'm also getting some intensity so that I, i'm improving my you know speed per kilometer i think i reckon shawnee if you and i had our time again and we had like that six to eight week block we could quite easily drop that that running time that we've got. So around that sort of 155 to two, two hours, I think we could get closer to sort of, you know, running sub five minute kilometers pretty comfortably. Yeah. Cause I think the, the thing that we spoke about before Anne was trying not to go too hard out of the blocks too early. And I think we were pretty comfortable sitting around that just above that five minute mark. And if we were to hold that for, for 20 Ks, we'd be looking at, um, you know, an hour 40, Mm. maybe, um, which is cutting 20 minutes off is quite a lot. Um, so I think that um, to get that and um, breaking your sessions up into sort of smaller chunks, as Damo said, with the intervals, you can still do um, a similar distance that you would feel long distance run. Like say you do a, a 10, 12 kilometer run, you could just break that up into sort of longer intervals and do, um, you know, two, two, three kilometers at a time and try and do that a little bit harder and then break that up with um, like an easy run in between. Like you might do two Ks hard or one K easy, for example, until you get, until you get to 12 kilometers. So, um, and use that little one kilometer easy effort as like your little active recovery type thing um, and sort of building that intensity from there. But I think the main one, if you're just trying to get it done, the main one is going to be that the volume and the Ks in the legs. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Is there any, so if we're talking, if you want to do like a, a basic sort of prescription, you're looking at running three to four times a week, it's probably where you, you want to be. You know, as, as Sean and Dana said, you want a mix of that long, continuous volume-based work and then some faster stuff as well. That's probably most effective. Where does strength training fit into that, do you think? Is that still something you'd need to do, some regular strength-based work? Yeah, I think if you're coming from nothing, um, yeah. I would suggest that you work on, like, muscular endurance-type training, so um, a high, high number of reps, lower volumes, um, and build that 
capacity for your muscles to have those repeated efforts. Um, you could transition into the strength type training as well, but I think that would be the most valuable for you because I think that's where um, sort of it probably happened to us was that just endurance um, in the muscles and because we didn't have the Ks and the legs, we're not, we're not used to it. Um, so if you could sort of complement your weight training, um, so focusing on your lower body exercises predominantly, so, um, you know, step-ups, squats, deadlifts, um, some lateral movements as well. I think that certainly we, we had a few hip problems. I think strengthening up um, around the hips and the glutes would be super important as well. But, um, yeah, certainly my prescription would be looking at that more endurance-based prescription of training, so that sort of 12, 15-plus reps um, with lower weights just to build that muscular endurance. Yeah, and strength training, it, it plays a role. I think there's a lot of re research that's shown that it improves your um, running economy, which is essentially just your efficiency and your sort of with each, with each step, um, how much energy you're using um, more or less. So um, it does play a big role there and it certainly helps and it's certainly something that, you know, resistance training is recommended for all for all runners, no matter how far you run, it's definitely not something you should um, ignore. Yeah, that's very good. And I think to finish uh, to finish off with, what about any sort of plyometrics or jumping-based stuff? Is that a bridge too far or is there room for that too? No, I think like just Shawnee touched on there, like running economy and your gait and everything, it's very um, dependent on, especially like we talk about elasticity in the, the ankle um, joint when it comes to running and, Jumping is going to help with that um, in terms of building the tendon stiffness and elasticity um, that's important for running. So uh, one of the best ways to train that is plyometrics. So, um, again, you just got to be, you know, smart with your dosage of that because if you're getting high volumes through the tendons and joints already, um, loading up with plyometrics as well. So just making sure that your dosages of that are correct and fits in with your, your running schedule, but certainly something that you would program as well. Yeah. I think running yeah, running itself is almost a plyometric as well. So you're going to get a little bit of that um, just through running, but doing some plyometric type exercises away from that is always going to be of benefit as well. But um, as Damo mentioned, you don't want to overdo it because that's when you start to have those sort of overuse injuries in the in the tendons and particularly the Achilles. It's a big one with um, with runners. Yeah, I think that's very important to come back to is that if you're starting from scratch listening to this and you, you, you're doing maybe like one gym session a week or none and you haven't done any running, um, you need to be very smart about how you're going to implement that. So, um, you know, going from zero running sessions to three in a week's big jump, then if you're going to add on two strength sessions as well, um, you need to be very careful of how you're loading that or how you're implementing that. So it might be a slow transition. Um, and that's where that sort of eight to 12 weeks to implement something like that's quite useful because you can slowly phase in and build up your workload. Um, not to say that you couldn't do five sessions in your first week, but you would be looking at doing very light loads in your strength training. Um, you know, if you think you can do... 20 squats with 20 kilos comfortably drop it down to 10 kilos and look after your, your body and slowly build up that that ability to lift that load and then in terms of running as well you know if you can do 
five k's running, just drop it back down. Maybe do that, but do as Shawnee said, you might do uh, two two k runs and a one k run to get your volume there, um, and just slowly build up. Sounds pretty good, boys. Sounds like it's uh, decent advice. So I think we might wrap it up there that you've covered everything and it uh, sounds like you boys need some sort of ice bath to, uh, to get you through the rest of the week. So uh, well done. Congratulations on, on completing it and, and, and congrats on you know doing something worthwhile and, uh, and a great cause that you contributed to. So well done to both of you. Yeah, just a nice shout-out to Rob as well who ran the furthest he's ever run on the day as well. So good stuff to you, <laughs> Rob. Uh, Chipping in with 10K is good effort. Um, hey, well, thanks, mate. I appreciate you're well, it. You're well on the way to that marathon that you promised us at the start of the year. Yes, exactly. A quarter of the way there. So, yeah, that'll come in good time. Uh, no doubts about that. But, yeah, one of the boys that you guys uh, did exceptionally well. So, um, there will be some content posted around some of the, the boys' exploits on uh, on the day and 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 some you know, interesting photos of Sean uh, curled up on the side of the road as well. So, we'll be interested to distribute those on various forums. But, uh why don't you, Sean, anyway? It was a great cause, so congratulations. Thanks, boys. It was good to have you have you both there uh, kicking me along. So thank you both. Brilliant. All right, well, that's, uh, that's all we've got time for on this edition of the Triax Performance Podcast. Thanks to, to Damon and Sean. If you want to donate again to the, the run for Rossi, the uh, links are in the description and the show notes and, and all that sort of stuff as well. So that's a great cause that you can still get behind. Uh, if you choose to. So thanks very much and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye for now.